Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Welcome to the 39th episode of Food for Europe. This episode is a summary of the live show we made during the recent Green Week in Berlin, and you can listen to that on our Facebook page. The topic was research and innovation. I wanted to know from my guests the extent to which innovation, digitalization, and precision agriculture are driving sustainable farming in Europe today. My guests in Berlin were Michal Nija, Deputy Director General of the European Commission's Directorate General for Agriculture and Rural Development, Piu Niemeyer, farmer and young farmers activist, Jan Plager, President of Bioland and the EU Organic Sector Association IFOAM, and Jörg Migenda, Managing Director of the German Raffaisen Association. My first question was to Michal Nija. How important is innovation and thus digitalization and precision agriculture for the European Commission? I wanted to know, where have we got to so far? I don't think the importance of innovation and digitalization in the current situation can be overestimated. So you asked where we are. What I'm going to say may be a bit contradictory. On the one hand, we are already well down that road because the economy, public authorities and farmers themselves are increasingly influenced by digitalization. But at the same time, we are only at the beginning because we're only getting started on the possibilities presented by data processing and artificial intelligence. Of course, this will gradually become more relevant and useful in this area. And I think that's the crucial point. There are many projects ongoing, not necessarily conducted through the common agricultural policy, but within the framework of the EU's research programme. But the crucial point and the challenge, if I can put it that way, is to put the knowledge we have at the disposal of farmers, to help them adapt to it and to deploy it to guide their choices for their farm. Mr. Megenda, let's get into the science a bit more. How extensively has this technology been developed? So two key statements. Digitalization does not save the world alone. It is just one element of making agriculture more sustainable. Just one. Digitalization is a broad field and the question must be, what tools are we talking about? I always like to talk about the tools that in fact help, for example, to apply resources, water, pesticides, fertilizers, organic fertilizers in more targeted manner. This is not a black and white issue. There are technologies that don't work so well and there are technologies that work wonderfully. But the key message is you have to get out of the labs quickly. You have to go to the farms and try it out. And if that doesn't work, you try something else. P.U. Niemeyer, before I ask your opinion on this, I'd like to briefly play you a part of an interview I conducted yesterday with Yannick Zender, Deputy Chairman of the Rhineland-Nassau region Young Farmers Association. Here's what he says. 
The uncertainty when it comes to planning is a huge problem for us young farmers. We want to develop the farms. We are passionate about our profession, otherwise we would not have chosen it. But this uncertainty makes it extremely difficult to invest in the long term. Agriculture requires serious investment over a long time frame to be profitable. So this sense of insecurity in the sector is a big problem. So, Pio Niemeyer, what's your opinion on this? Do you agree? The inability to plan with certainty is indeed the biggest problem for us young farmers. We don't have huge sums to invest and we don't see the financial returns we need from our work. It's all very well talking about digitalization, but in many cases we don't even have an adequate mobile network reception that allows us to operate parallel systems. And how should we implement a technology if the conditions it requires are not even available to us? Jörg Migenda. How does the German Raffeisen Association support farmers? And what are the most important tools you have at your disposal? Well, I think the problem has been just described clearly. The farmer has a thousand things to do. The limiting factor of a family farm is time. The farmer needs support to make digitalization work for him. For example, the service mechanic needs to be available on Saturday evenings or during sowing, or at harvest time, or everything stops. The idea that you can just call someone at a help desk to get a solution is ridiculous. These machines cost a lot of money. In agriculture, you have to work when the weather permits and when the field is ready to be harvested. And our job is to train and provide the appropriate specialists to be available to give the farmer advice. And this could mean simple advice. In other words, do something about the organic content in the ground before you invest a lot of money in expensive digital tools. Jan Plager, what's your analysis of that? Is digitalization the solution for organic production in agriculture? Die Digitalisierung kann natürlich of course, digitalization cannot solve the problems posed to agriculture by the climate crisis and cannot solve problems for society as a whole, but it can be part of the solution. So this must be clearly understood when we talk about technology, regardless of digitalization or other technical possibilities. They are tools that must serve people and farms. They should not become an end in themselves. That would mean becoming more and more dependent on technology for the decisions I make. This becomes very obvious as soon as something breaks down. In organic farming, I believe more data is collected than in conventional agriculture. Most people don't know that. We have a yearly data audit which collects an incredible amount of data, and this represents an incredible amount of paperwork. But no farmer alone in his head is able to analyze the organic content of the soil or its fertility or the way crops grow in extreme weather conditions. Maybe some have good intuition, but this can be strengthened by data analysis. It's just that the farmer doesn't have the time or the enthusiasm for entering all this data into a computer in the office. And that's exactly what digitalization can support. Back in December, Agri-Food Days took place in Brussels, where the Commissioner for Agriculture, Janusz Wojciechowski, mentioned that 850 farms closed down every day 
in Europe. Will digitalization not accelerate this trend? And isn't there a danger that digitalization will promote agriculture on a large scale and perhaps speed up the end of human-sized farms? Before we all discuss this, I asked this very question to Janusz Wojciechowski himself, and here's his opinion on it. Now, this is a very important issue that digitalization, the new technologies like satellite technologies, uh, precision farming, this is expensive uh, technology, and uh, we can observe that uh, the big, uh, large farms are able to use this technology, small farms generally not. And uh, this is the challenge for the future uh, common agriculture policy to strengthen farm uh, support for the small farms should be strengthened and taking into account to facilitate them to use new technologies. Michal Nia, it's clear that the Commission has an idea of where it wants to go. You're Deputy Director General. What do things look like in reality? How are things evolving? Well, this is, of course, a very complex story. We heard before about one of the most important issues, which is access to and the quality of the Internet in rural areas. And all our member states are working on it, supported by the European Union from different budgets. For example, Germany is using money from the Common Agricultural Policy to bring broadband to rural areas. Other member states do it differently. They take the so-called regional funds or cohesion funds. But in principle, all 27 member states can develop plans. I think the crucial point, once we have this access, is to make it available to everyone, even smaller farmers. And that needs to be combined with other elements. For example, training and farm advisory services. Germany, for example, has been allocated 200 million euros under the Common Agricultural Policy and has spent it all on farm advisory services. And of course, this reaches mainly small smaller operators. Let's consider the investments that farms need to make. We can see slurry spraying systems being demonstrated just over there. They cost €400,000 each. I mean, that's not realistic, is it? Especially for small farms. Yes, so we are definitely on top of the issue. The big companies can handle this more easily. I have a family farm. Investing in new technology is a huge step for us. So I support what was mentioned a bit ago, the importance of know-how. We need to promote that a bit more. I left education six years ago and started farming. We hadn't learned about digitalization, so our profession increasingly means embracing digital solutions. And now we have to get a move on and provide those tools to the next generation of farmers. Jan Plager, president of Bioland. You're also president of IFOAN, which represents organic farming throughout Europe. How do you see the situation elsewhere in Europe? Do the other member states have the same issues as Germany? We have countries where in some other countries, and I have to be very clear about this, they're much more advanced than we are in Germany. Germany has a huge innovation problem. 
For example, we've really struggled over many years to successfully manage integrated administration and control systems to make them compatible between our federal states. I am always envious of member states that have established ways to manage these data usage problems, to make them helpful for local farms. We can learn a lot from this in terms of precision farming and other innovation possibilities. I'm glad we have such diverse systems in Europe. Well, let's look at this topic now from the industry's perspective. A few hours ago, I briefly talked to Vanya Kobeck, product manager for technology for a major agricultural equipment manufacturer, about digitalization. European agriculture is part of a global market, and that, of course, is a challenge for Europe. So I think there's no way forward without agricultural subsidies. This is an important element of EU policy. However, I believe that subsidies need to be designed differently. We should support people to work efficiently so that the farmers who buy my equipment can also use it efficiently. We should focus our resources and not just spray money around. Piu Niemeyer and then Mr. Nia, focusing our resources and not just spraying money around. It's not going to be popular with everyone, is it? I like the analogy of the watering can, of spraying money around. We need to focus more on promoting small farms so they can also participate in this innovation. Large farms are being subsidized on the basis of size, so the more hectares a farm has, the more support it receives. And that's really the big problem that we now have. Mr. Nia, your view on that. Does the watering can analogy work for you? This question about focusing on one thing or focusing on everything, I think it's as old as the system of direct payments itself. But the reality for many farmers is that direct payments are only a small part of overall income. At the European level, it's an average of 23%. So that's one point. The other question is, what should we subsidize to make ourselves more efficient? It's true that the bulk of our subsidies continue to be in the form of direct payments. But there is also the second pillar, which in Germany, for example, amounts to 11 to 12 billion euros in the current funding period, out of 35 billion euros. And a good part of that money goes into investments. That means giving concrete financial support to the investments of individual farmers with co-financing. But the truth is that the farmers must always raise at least 50% of the cost themselves. Mr. Megenda? In my view, the best way to support innovation is for the state to keep out of the way and let the market emerge. And I say that as a consequence of my extensive practical experience. Another thing we should talk about is what happens to farm data. What is the data protection regime here? What about education for the many farmers who struggle with technology? How are farmers supervised in this respect? 
You may be surprised by what I'm about to say, but from a business perspective, we are happy about data protection laws. They clearly set the rules of the game and they are not bad. That's the first point. The second point is who works with the farmer and who receives the data. We have experience. Our people have been working with farmers for generations. If we mess around with this data, we will just lose the farmer as a client. P.U. Niemeyer, do you trust the data protection and management regime in farming? In many cases, it's clearly not transparent how your data gets used. You just take a checkbox and it's gone. But this is really sensitive operating data that we are discussing here. We need to see much more transparency. I simply don't know who's doing what with my data. Mr. Nia, your comment on that? The protection of personal data at European level through the so-called General Data Protection Regulation offers a very high level of protection worldwide, and that, I believe, is also globally recognized. The second big aspect we have here now is, when we talk about digitalization and automation, the question is not only who owns the data, but how is it used? Is it the company that sells the tractor, or is it the farmer, or is it a third party? And here I think we took a very good step, even though I have to say I'm not the great expert. Last summer, the EU adopted a Data Act and a Data Governance Act. They have now entered into force. There is a transitional period. But these laws regulate the rights of the farmer to use this massive database, as well as the obligations of agricultural equipment companies that use it. Finally, I would like to know briefly from you what the future looks like, where you see digitalization in, say, 10 years. I also asked this question to Janusz Wojciechowski, Commissioner for Agriculture, and this is what he said. The question is what will be the future of the common agricultural policy, but first of all, what will be the budget of the common agricultural policy? Now, we have the more than 300 billion euro for five years. From one hand, it is a big amount. From other hand, this is only 0.4% of the European Union GDP. It is not enough to ensure food security, to ensure the contribution of the agriculture to the environmental climate uh, challenges. So, Mr. Migenda, how do you see the future? Well, I hope things don't take 10 years to develop. I repeat, we need to be focused and use resources carefully, not to just spray money around. But again, it's just one small piece of the journey towards a more sustainable farming system. There are other elements that may be even more important, but it is an important component. Jan Plager, environmental issues and climate change must also be part of the picture. Commissioner Wojciechowski says we need more money at European level to confront these challenges. What do you make of that? My vision of the future for innovation and digitalization is that we are able to further develop the technical tools of digitalization for European agriculture in such a way that they complement our ecosystems, 
operating methods, agricultural systems and nutrient cycles. We started out as organic farmers, not simply to serve a market niche, but above all to understand the interactions and relationships between humans, the environment, animals and nature better in a way that gives us self-determination and sovereignty. P.U. Niemeyer, how do you see the future? I actually believe that when we look forward to the future, from my perspective as a family farmer, we simply collect all the data we collect and that farmers can work easily with this data because we now have such a pool of data that our machines produce. Then we need people like the ones in our discussion today who then almost take us by the hand and say, come on, we can do this with your data now. This is how I see the future of agriculture. Michael Nia, you have the final word. What does the future really look like for you? We will need a lot of money in the future. The most important job of farmers is to give us food security. This is a public good. But at the same time, all the other challenges to biodiversity, environmental protection, climate protection, must also be addressed. The decision about what agricultural systems we want in Europe is political, and that means smaller farms, organic farms, and family farms as the vast majority. And if we want that, we have to create the political framework to support it. Well, that concludes this edition of Food for Europe from Berlin, a summary of our live show during Green Week. Thanks to all my guests for their contribution to this podcast and thanks to you for listening. We hope you'll join us again soon for our next episode when we'll be presenting a portrait of Belgian agriculture to reflect Belgium's assumption of the presidency of the Council of the EU on the 1st of January. Until then, goodbye and bon appétit. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. The climate change Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 